Welcome into another edition of the Deep Slant Podcast. Count on a powerful and secure Wi-Fi connection for all your devices. Xfinity XFi, can your internet do that? Well, it is week 16. The Texans are back at home. They're hosting the Los Angeles Chargers, and it's a holiday week. It's busy, and we have got a great podcast. I've got quarterback Davis Mills that I had a chance to sit down with and catch up with one-on-one. And then we preview the Chargers with Haley Elwood, who is the Chargers team reporter. Lots of movement on rosters this week as COVID numbers continue to rise. So we will keep you up to date on that. Just check out HoustonTexans.com. And of course, the pregame show on Sunday, Texans Unlimited presented by Verizon. We'll have the latest and greatest news uh, heading into Sunday's game against the Chargers. But first, Xfinity delivers the fastest internet in Houston, stream Texans games on a powerful and secure Wi-Fi network, and count on a reliable connection for all your devices. Xfinity XFi, can your internet do that? Can your quarterback do that? Davis Mills went up against a number one overall selected drafted quarterback in Trevor Lawrence last week in Jacksonville and got his first win, merged victorious, and that was with a depleted defense and in the pouring rain. It was It was pretty bad. And then running backs that were all banged up. He got the job done. And I had a chance to talk with him, find out what it feels like now getting that first win under his belt. Find out why did he go to Stanford? What would he be doing if he didn't play football? And the curious question about his Instagram page that I've been dying to know. We got into all that with Davis Mills, who heads into Week 16 with his ninth start of the season, off to a good start, and hopefully he can build on that win against Jacksonville as the Chargers come to town. Let's take a listen. Davis Mills right here on the Deep Slam Podcast presented by Xfinity. First of all, Davis, first NFL win for you in your career. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, what's this week been like for you? It's been great. Um, but, I mean, since I guess we had the victory Monday, came in and started the film film watching and prep on Tuesday, and it's kind of on to the next one. I mean, you've gotten a lot of national love this week just from what you were able to do. You know, you've had eight starts, but you get the win, the fourth quarter drive to get the final touchdown from, uh, from you to Cooks to really – as you said, final dagger in that game against the Jaguars. With all this media attention that you've gotten lately, does it feel like there's a little bit of a weight lifted off your shoulders just getting that first win under your belt? I mean, I wouldn't say a weight lifted off my shoulders. I would just say, I mean, we're we're coming in each week with the same goal, and that's to win football games. So now that I accomplished that first one, it's I guess makes it easier to move forward and go on to that next week and try to do the same thing. I think one of the big questions that has gotten asked in the last few weeks from really all the coaches that you work with is what's improved from the first few games that you started until this, this last stretch of when when you were named a starter. And I mean, I've heard a number of answers from quicker decision-making, recognizing blitzes, your internal clock being a little bit faster. I know David Culley has mentioned that a few times, but I I wanted to ask you, what, what do you think has really improved from early on in the season when you were playing games to now? I mean, I think it's a combination of all those things. I think the biggest part that plays a role in it is just the experience and kind of having that knowledge and the memory bank you can pull from of the previous looks you've seen. I mean, the example of the Jaguars game this past week, we had the delay a game at the start of the game that they brought a cover zero blitz and I was trying to get to a uh, an audible and make sure we were in the right play and I just ran out of time pre-snap. And then we ended up seeing that same thing later in the game. And I ended up checking it out of it and getting a big play to Phillip there. 
So I think just things like that, that pop up and I'm able to start, start processing it faster and get to answers. It's, it's really helped out. What, what do you think in those few games that you weren't playing where you were sitting behind Tyrod Taylor, were there things that you were wanting to work on or what were sort of the things that you were looking at in game when you weren't actually playing in the game? The biggest thing was just being fully locked in mentally. Um, I think that's the hardest part of the backup quarterback's job in the NFL is just staying fully locked into the game plan and any end game changes that happen um, on the sideline, like in between series. So I think that was the biggest thing, just staying locked in and making sure I was ready if I was ever kind of thrown into that situation. Well, when you were named the starter, you mentioned that your dad was going to fly down and watch you play. And I want to say your mom was at this game at Jacksonville. So what's it been like just having your family around? Have they been, are they going to be able to see a lot of your games or where are they traveling from when they're coming to watch you? Yeah. So my family's all back in Atlanta, my parents and my oldest sister are back there. And then my, the middle sibling, my still older sister, cause I'm the youngest. Uh, I have a sibling in Houston as well. So she's been out here a lot along with my girlfriend. I've been to basically all the home games and then traveled to a couple of away games, but my dad's been really flying around to as many games as he can. And fortunately, I had a lot of a lot of family down at this past game in Jacksonville. Jacksonville, I have a lot of cousins down in South Georgia that were able to make a quick drive over. So that was good. I know you had your own little cheering section. That's amazing. I When you were drafted, I remember you did a press conference and that's when everyone sort of learned about your sister who went to University of Houston mm-hmm. and you joked about crashing at her place because she just bought a house. So I have to ask, did you, did you get your own place? Was the plan of crashing in her spare bedroom? I assume that has gone by the wayside by now, right? Oh yeah. I got my own place really after rookie mini camp ended. I found a spot to stay. My girlfriend moved out here with me as well. My sister, her house is really still being renovated. So she's not even moved into the new one yet. And hopefully that should be finished soon though. Have you been able to explore much of Houston at all? I know you're really busy being the quarterback and with all the meetings and everything, but how much of Houston have you gotten a chance to see? And and what do you like to do when you do have any free time? Um, Most of my free time has been either just trying to relax, watch movies or play video games. But I think the biggest thing exploring Houston that I've seen so far is really just like the food scene. I've tried to eat at a bunch of different restaurants and kind of figure out my go-to spots. So that's been really good. I'm excited in the off season though. I want to go down to the space center and maybe go see Galveston and just different things like that, that are a little farther out from really the inner loop. All right. So do you have your go-to spots? I think probably my favorite two would be El Tiempo and uh, MF Sushi, which is in the museum districts. I like that a lot. Those are some good choices. Well, you didn't go to college here. You went to Stanford. Your sister went to U of H. How did you end up at Stanford? Why'd you you go there? And and was that your first choice? Were there other colleges that you were looking at? Yeah, so um, luckily in in high school, I had a pretty good amount of colleges that were interested. And I kind of had options to go all over, but I felt Stanford was the best fit, um, both academically and athletically, because I, my parents kind of always instilled as us kids that, I mean, education first, if sports never work out, you need to fall back on your education and really um, capitalize off that. So I felt like Stanford was the best of both worlds. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure the classes at Stanford are really on a top notch, another level academically. So that leads me to wanting to know what you might think you would be doing if you weren't playing football. What do you think you'd be doing? I'm not sure entirely. I mean, obviously <laughs> I'm doing what 
uh, I'd like to be doing, and that's playing football, playing quarterback. But I did intern one summer at Stanford in commercial real estate with CBRE. So maybe some sort of Hmm. real estate investment or something in that realm. All right. Well, I saw your Instagram and I've looked at your Instagram and you've curated it very nicely. It's all black and white pictures. And then you scroll and it's the color version, which aesthetically is very pleasing and very artistic. And, and I, it's, it's very organized. So how did you get the idea for that? I really have no clue. I think, (laughs) I think I started it maybe freshman year of college and just thought it looked cool and then kind of just rode with it. And I feel like I'm at the point now where I'm kind of just stuck in that box of everything has to be black and white. So who knows? I might switch it at some point, but I'm kind of just riding it. um, Yeah. My biggest, my biggest fear for you in that is that if you ever want to post a video highlight or a video, how will you do that? How will you do the video? I don't know. I, I think (laughs) you have no videos right now. Have like the cover photo be black and white and then transition (laughs) color, but I don't know. Yeah. Black and white cover photo swipe. And then you get the color video. I think, exactly. I mean, you, you could try that. You could start because you're going to have some highlights. You might, you might want to throw them up on your Instagram soon. <laughs> we'll All see. right. How about, how about for yourself? You got a few games left uh, before the end of the rookie campaign. You know, what are some things that you want to work on some goals for yourself here in this final stretch of the season? I think just continue to go out and improve and really make all the players around me better. I think that's the the main role of the quarterback. And then, score more touchdowns when we get down um, close to the end zone, try to capitalize on field position and get the ball in the end zone rather than having to kick field goals. Although, I mean, kaimi has been doing a great job, but I think we can spread the ball around and get in the end zone ourselves as an offense. That field goal target line is is moving further and further down the field with Kaimi there. So it's been a lot of fun to watch Davis and we're looking forward to the rest of the season. Thanks for joining us today. Of course. Thanks for having me. All right, Davis Mills there. He'll be taking on the Los Angeles Chargers without Joey Bosa, who was ruled out for the game earlier in the week. I had a chance to catch up with Haley Elwood, who is the Chargers team reporter. They have a lot of players that may or may not go on that COVID list. Austin Eckler is a guy that uh, is a name to watch because first it was reported he was going to be on the COVID list. Then it wasn't. Then he didn't practice. So not really sure what's going on with that situation. But in either case, I had a chance to ask Haley about it, as well as the rest of the team and a first-year coach just like the Texans have and how they kept that consistency from last year this year with Justin Herbert. We get into all of it when we go behind enemy sidelines right here on the Deep Slant Podcast presented by Xfinity. Welcome in. I know the Chargers are going to have about 10 days off before they play this game on Sunday against the Texans. It can never be easy losing in overtime to a division rival, but what's the mood like for the Chargers heading into this game? Yeah, well, first off, thank you so much for having me on. It's so good to see you, albeit virtually. We haven't done our combine thing in quite a while. but No, we haven't. I know. It's good to connect this way. But, yeah, so obviously that, that loss on Thursday night against the Kansas City Chiefs did drop this Chargers team to 8-6. and six, But the mood is actually great. It's actually really fine. And after the game, even head coach Brandon Staley said, hey, our outlook would not have changed whether we won this game or lost this game. And when you look at sort of just that steady hand and steady consistency, This is a team throughout this season that has sort of weathered highs and lows. They've had some bumps in the road, but they've been able to overcome those and have really gotten them in a great position right now. They are in wild card standing as we sit here in week 16. But while that game didn't go the way that they had hoped and probably anticipated, it's on to the next. And that's against the Texans this week. Yeah, they've certainly had some big close losses this year. And then we saw the news on Monday that Joey Bosa will be out for Sunday's Mm -hmm. game. I mean, I know a guy like that is hard to replace, but how do you replace 
a guy like that on defense and, and who's going to have to step up for him. Yeah. The thing about Joey too, is even though he is now accrued years in this league, he is the longest, I'm sorry, second longest tenured charger, original charger on this team next to Keenan Allen, but he's got an NFL leading six strip sacks. So his production will certainly be missed. But when you look at who could replace him, look to a guy like Uchenna Nuosu, who is currently, he has stated having the best playing the best football of his career at this point, he had a strip sack on Joe Burrow against the Bengals. He had his first career interception against Patrick Mahomes last Thursday night, which eventually led to a touchdown on the next offensive play. He has just really been a force out there. But Brandon Staley said, look, along with someone probably like Uchenna, it's going to be a team operation. This team, this defense has had a lot of substitutions, a lot of different hybrid type groupings, as Staley calls it throughout the season, whether it's been injuries or COVID. So this team has certainly dealt with next man up, and it's certainly going to be that this week again. Yeah, and let's talk about head coach Brandon Staley. I mean, it's his first year, and he's led this team to an 8-6 and six record. You know, what is the most surprising thing about him as head coach? Yeah, I think one of the things that that he's had certainly a meteoric rise, that was a phrase that's been used to describe him when he got hired by the Bolts. But when you look at what he's brought to this team, it really comes down to building relationships and building camaraderie. He's huge on that. He's talked about it even when he's spoken to the staff, that that's a big part of his philosophy. One of the things he also has talked about too throughout this whole season is really kind of communicating with players, but on a different level of, of talking to them about what he thinks works for them, types of plays that works, getting their sort of mindset and MO on going into a game and being like, hey, against this opponent, Let's run this. Let's go with this. And that sort of camaraderie breeds trust. And you've seen that. And you've seen that even when kind of times have gotten tough and in late game situations, I think against maybe the Cleveland Browns where that game became a complete shootout. But this team ended up holding and, and holding on strong. You can look to that Sunday night game against the Pittsburgh Steelers as well. That sort of camaraderie that he's brought and bred has really made a huge difference on this team. I even look at someone, I, I wrote a note down here of, of Justin Jones, defensive tackle, who talked or, or just spoke earlier this week and, and said, you know, despite that loss that they had on Thursday, he's like, I love the guys in this room. I love this locker room. These are the guys I want to go to war with every game day. And I think that really starts at the top and that starts with Staley and that's something that he's brought and whether you're on offense or defense, it's just radiated throughout this locker room. All right. Well, he comes in, he inherits a quarterback in Justin Herbert, who was just coming off a phenomenal rookie year. And then I just saw recently he became the first quarterback in NFL history to throw at least 30 touchdown passes in his first two seasons. He did it in week 14. So he gets Justin Herbert. I mean, I have to imagine that can't be easy for a rookie quarterback to change head coaches, but what has he done to sort of help Herbert make that leap from year one to year two and keep things as consistent as he can keep them considering there was a, a coaching staff change. Yeah. And a guy who Herbert actually really said he, who credits, I think with his development is now with you guys and Pep Hamilton as well. But when you look at Justin Herbert, I, I when you were saying that I was kind of like not rolling my eyes, but just going, it, it really does feel almost like every week it's a new record for him and something that he's breaking or doing that has never been done before. And when you look at what sort of Staley's influence on him has been, it really from the get-go was we want to build this offense around Justin. We look at, we've seen what he can do. We saw what he did his rookie season. Let's build it. Let's take it to another level. He surrounded him with an offensive coordinator and Joe Lombardi, who's accrued a lot of years in this league, specifically working with the New Orleans Saints for a multitude of those and working with a guy from the Charger and Drew Brees, but just really kind of getting 
that sort of veteran presence with him. Also, again, that collaboration, that discussion, Brandon Staley is a former quarterback as well, who primarily now coaches defense, but has that sort of all 22 view. So really it came down to sort of building the offense around him. And you've seen that, and you've seen that progression. And I think even though statistically he is doing things that have never been done before, it's impressive still to see his poise out there because he is still so young. And I think uh, Chris Harry, our other team reporter, and I have talked about this in some of the games that maybe haven't gone the Chargers way. You look at the Baltimore loss, the New England loss. Sometimes you forget that Herbert is only in his second season, but really he is doing things that you just kind of sit and marvel at. And he is such a great leader for this team. And I think when you look at franchises, you look at maybe the Niners, the Packers, when you go from one great quarterback to the next, these Charger fans are really lucky that this has worked out so far for them to go from Philip Rivers to Justin Herbert. Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned Pep Hamilton, who has a rookie in Davis Mills that he's working with this year. Like you mentioned, he worked with Herbert last year when he was a rookie. What was his role with him and how did that relationship sort of develop? What has Herbert had to say about that? Yeah, he was the quarterback's coach with the Chargers. And I think he came in, you look at the resume that Pep had working with someone like Andrew Luck in Indianapolis. He was such a great guy to come in and, and work with Justin Herbert. Their relationship was really strong. And, and like I said, Justin credits Pep with a lot of the success that he had. I was up in Oregon this past summer uh, at Justin at Herbert's golf tournament, his first annual golf tournament that he had. And Pep was there. And I thought that was really cool to see that, you know, Eugene, Oregon, not exactly a destination spot in the summer, but to go up for Pep to go up. <laughs> From I Houston, think. it is perhaps. <laughs> That's accurate. Yeah. The humidity was non-existent there. Right. So that was, that was lovely. But, um, but I just thought that was really cool. And it just kind of shows you the bond that they did have. And I think that was just a really great sort of mentorship role for someone like Pep to come in and have that. And I'm sure it's working. You know, I know Davis Mills got his first win last week against the Jaguars, but I'm sure that's just a great hub to kind of have and to huddle up with, especially when you're beginning your NFL career. All right. Austin Eckler, he's been a huge red zone target for Herbert this year. Ten rushing touchdowns, seven receiving touchdowns. We saw earlier in the week that maybe he might be on the COVID list. Maybe he could play. Maybe he might not play. But if he doesn't play, how do you replace a guy like Eckler in that offense? Yeah, this is an interesting situation and one to watch. A lot of days left to get to before Sunday. Look to a guy like Justin Jackson. Justin Jackson had 86 rushing yards versus the Chiefs. He really came alive. He is someone throughout his NFL career has just dealt with injuries. But when he's healthy, he really, really is slippery out there. He was breaking tackles. He was shaking tackles against Kansas City last week. And to me, as someone who's been with this team for a while, when the, the Chargers, excuse me, played the Steelers, I want to say in 2018, Justin Jackson had the game of his life in that game. So really look to him. I know this team is kind of looking to solidify that number two running back. It's It's been a sort of work by committee approach between Justin Jackson, Joshua Kelly, Larry Roundtree. But Jackson seems to be now the leader in the clubhouse. And if he's healthy this week, he'll certainly be that go for them for sure. All right. Well, a guy that you guys know very well that we've gotten to know very well over the course of the year, Desmond King. I know he was traded to the Titans last year, but he spent a lot of time with the Chargers as well. He's doing some great things um, on punt returns and on defense back in the secondary. What do you remember about your time with uh, Desmond King and what he was able to do when he was with the Chargers? Yeah, that was actually really what he did well for the Bolts as well. He was one of those, uh, the defensive backs in the Chargers room. I know that they've lost a couple of pieces. Desmond being one of them, but they used to be known as the Jack boys where they would just, you know, 
jack things up, if you will, jack, take interceptions, do all of that. I'm not going to get into semantics. It's not thing, <laughs> we get where, where you're going, but you can get yeah. where I'm going with that. But he certainly kind of brought that spark as specifically, I think of when he was paired up with Derwin and what they could do together. Um, I have a great Desmond story actually back before COVID was non-existent. I used to do a thing where I'd, we would do ride along. So I'd ride home with a guy, we'd have a trail car, follow us. We'd, you know, once we got there, pick up, go back to the facility and Desmond was such a great sport. And I remember he, I, we did the interview. He was great. He was in an awesome mood. He was super fun. And, and he had looked at me and he goes, you caught me on a good day, Haley. And I was like, really glad to do it <laughs> because I know that not everyone wants to do things like this, but it's just those moments. He was really fun to work with. Um, it'll be a great reunion to see what he can do. Obviously a different quarterback that he's going to go up against because he only knew Philip, but, um, but really, really good uh, opportunity. And, and it should be a fun one out there watching him battle. Yeah, absolutely. That sounds like not much has changed because we've done radio with him. He's always great. It's not his favorite thing to yeah. do, but I was like, you need to do this more. You're really good yeah. at and stuff. You're really good on camera. So I don't know. We'll see. We planted, planted the seed, but Haley, always a pleasure. You are fantastic on camera as always. And on radio, wherever you are looking forward to seeing your content, Haley, team reporter for the Los Angeles chargers. Looking forward to seeing the chargers here on Sunday, week 16. Thank you so much for having me DP. I appreciate it. All right, so that game is Sunday, day after Christmas, noon kick on CBS, Sports Radio 610 as well, and the pregame show. You can catch it anywhere. Social media is available. You can just download the Houston Texans mobile app. I think we're on YouTube. We're on Twitter. We're on Facebook. We're everywhere. You cannot miss it. Just download the Houston Texans mobile app. You'll get an alert. You won't miss it. Drew Doherty and I will bring you uh, the inactives, the projected starting lineup, the big storylines of the week. And I think a lot's going to change between now and Sunday. We already saw more players go on that active or the reserve, I should say, reserve COVID list, including Brandon Cooks and Kaimi Fairbairn. So how are things going to adjust? How will the Texans change the game plan with those two out? Stay tuned as the Texans host the Chargers on Sunday, and hopefully they can emerge with another win. This Chargers team is 8-6. and six. They're looking to make the playoffs, and the Texans, they want to end this season with a few wins. Playoffs not in the picture for them, obviously, this year, but they'd like to head into the offseason with some wins and, you know, so just headed in a, in a good direction, and I think there's a lot to be positive uh, about, especially with this rookie class. So stay tuned for that game on Sunday. That's going to do it for the Deep Slant Podcast presented by Xfinity. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, go Texans.